The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the show. I'm Wanda Wallace, and today we're going to talk about purpose. So I hear so many people talking about wanting to find purpose in their work. Daniel Pink, in his book Drive, argues that purpose is really one of the primary drivers and motivators for people. And intuitively, we all know that if I have more sense of purpose in my work, then I'm more engaged with it. That sounds great, but the problem is, how do you begin to define it? How do you know if you have it? How can you find it if you don't have it? And more importantly, as a leader, how do you lead your team with a sense of purpose? So if those are your questions, then today's show's for you. With me today is Arthur Woods, who's co-founder of Imperative, the first professional platform to help people manage a more fulfilling and meaningful career, meaning careers with purpose. Arthur is formerly lead of education at YouTube, and I'm delighted to have him with me. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Juan. It's great to be here. Okay, so Arthur, let's start at the top. My first question is really about what does it mean? I mean, we all talk about how important purpose is. It sounds great. I have purpose in my life. How the heck do you define it? Because if you can't define it, you don't know if you have it or not. It's such a good question, Wanda. And to be honest with you, what really inspired this work was the fact that we um, all have such different definitions for purpose. And you know, it's something that we all intuitively aspire to have, but yet we oftentimes uh, don't have a real way to measure it. So what, what was most influential in terms of our definition of purpose really came out of um, work that, that was at University of Michigan. Um, and what this work um, by Amy Wozniewski, as well as a number of other academic thought leaders, um, suggested was that purpose starts by the way that we fundamentally look at work and the, war, the, 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 the way that um, work has a role in our lives, that we fundamentally look at work as a means of money, a means of advancing our status, or a means of helping other people, and that purpose is, is really about that third piece, about seeing work as a means of serving others, a means of creating fulfillment for ourselves. Um, so the first piece is really work orientation. The second is what we call level of meaning. In a way of defining purpose that we really had a chance to research and define was that purpose is about three core things. It's about driving deep relationships. It's about growing and learning personally and professionally. It's about creating a sense of impact. So this three-part barometer, relationships, impact, and growth for us, became a a way of actually measuring meaning, defining purpose in your day-to-day work. Okay, so... 
Are you arguing in effect that, let me just go back to the beginning of this, are you proposing that finding purpose in work is a matter of how we look at work, how we think about work, or is it about the structure of the work itself? So think of this in terms of two things. We have traits and we have states. The trait comes down to how we look at work. And we find that this actually stays constant, that we form a story about work and the, the, the role that work will play in our lives at a very young age. And we believe that work is either a, a means of financial gain, a means of status, or a means of purpose. Um, so that is a trait that stays with us. The second piece, which is a state, is how fulfilled and enabled are we in that work? And that's really what comes down to what can fluctuate over time. So ideally, what we really believe is that you find purpose-oriented workers, people that see work as a means of helping other people, that's really their trait, and that you enable them to thrive and be fulfilled every day in their day-to-day work, which is their state. Okay, so for some people, work is about money. For some people, work is about status or power. For some people, it's about helping others, and it's that helping others that defines the bigger purpose. Did I have this straight? You do, you do, you, you named it completely. And, you know, what we were able to find out in this most recent study that we did, we called the Workforce Purpose Index, was that 28% of the United States population sees work as a means of helping others. We call them purpose-oriented workers. And as you can imagine, the performance of those individuals was off the charts higher than their colleagues that saw work as a means of money and status. So as we, as we start to look at really a social mission and a movement here, there becomes a real business case to start changing the way that people look at work starting at a young age. So to start actually having more purpose-oriented workers in the workforce. And because we've seen this uh, really kind of point to um, the influence in our adolescence as to how we will ultimately look at work, um, this is a real call to action for parents and for educational institutions to start telling a new story about work, that work is no longer just a means of financial gains uh, to fast-track to retirement, but that work can indeed be the end itself. Wow, that's radical. That it's not about, let me work hard to get to retirement so I can enjoy the good life. It's about enjoying life as I go through my working world. Wow. That's right. And, you know, basically the way that we really see this is we've, We've defined work largely based on the, the way that the industrial economy defined work, that you, you clock in, you clock out. People are really no greater than the institution uh, within which they work, um, and that uh, work becomes a transaction. However, I think we've seen this radical change in the last two decades especially, largely influenced by technology, um, that has really spurred this idea that um, we don't want to be different people at work than we are outside of work. We want to find a way to healthily blur the lines between work and life outside of work so that you're simply yourself. <laughs> and, you know, I, I personally believe that we'll have a thriving workforce when everyone is their full best self at work every day. We don't have underemployment. We don't have people marginalized. We have people fully able to express themselves, that their values are articulated in the work that they do every day. So... This is it. There's many angles I want to pursue on this one. Let me start with one that's near and dear to my heart at the moment, which is creating inclusive workplaces. I care about this because I spend so much time helping women in particular thrive and survive in the modern corporate world. And one of the components to that is creating a workforce where people genuinely feel included. To me, that means that I feel valued so that my voice is heard, I feel I belong. 
I feel I have a contribution to make, a fair contribution that is recognized. In many ways, what you're saying about a sense of purpose and this blurring of lines between work and non-work and being the same at work and outside of work is similar to what I define as an inclusive workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, and now the second... Would, oh, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, you know, we have a lot of conversation about millennials and millennials' desire to have a different kind of working environment. Um, mm-hmm. a little, you know, flexibility in the space that they're working in, the way they're working. Do you think this same sense of purpose applies to millennials? It certainly does. I think that the oftentimes misconception, however, is that Millennials are the purpose generation and that no one else is demanding it. However, what we've seen uh, time and time again is that purpose is something that is demanded cross-generationally, that every single generation is looking for purpose, that we have, um, we have millennials just as well as boomers that want purpose every day, and that indeed um, millennials are, are definitely sometimes a more vocal generation that's demanding it, but if you see our workforce purpose index, it was actually boomers that ranks most highly purpose-oriented out of all generations. Yay, finally something good for my generation. (laughs) Right. We've been discredited as being too bureaucratic for too long. I'm kind of trying to rally everybody back to the 1960s and where we started. Okay, so let me see if I can summarize what I understand from all of this one. So you have this workforce purpose index. 28% of the people in that index have a sense of pur- their purpose oriented and when that purpose is fulfilled their performance and contribution and presumably had a happiness and satisfaction is off the chart that's what we mean by an engaged worker and i find it interesting that that's the same number that the gallup survey will find as people that are engaged is about 28 percent So if I had more of those in my team, presumably I would have better performance in my team. That's right. That's right. We found that if you have purpose-oriented workers, um, you are more likely to have, you know, high-performing, culture-carrying team members. Um, There's so much attached to this this archetype of employee, the purpose-oriented worker. We're seeing that they have significantly higher uh, tendencies for leadership. They more vocally advocate for their needs. Um, they're more generously supportive of their colleagues and of building strong relationships. Um, they're more likely to actually stay in the job longer. They were 20% more likely to stay uh, in the job longer if they were aligned and fulfilled. Um, and that's not to mention that fundamentally they see work uh, as, as a means of achieving fulfillment. So they're actually more likely to be fulfilled at work. So I think to your question, there certainly is a strong linkage between high engagement and high uh, purpose orientation. Um, and however, I think as a company, as a company is looking at the equation for how to really drive a purpose-driven culture, um, that we really see there are two parts of it. The first is start to hire purpose-oriented workers. Start to really get at the crux of why is someone coming to work in the first place? What's driving in that work? And then second is to ensure that they're aligned and they're fulfilled in that work. Because we've seen in many cases you have a purpose-oriented worker who could be in a place where they're withering away, they're not thriving, they're not fulfilled, and they oftentimes can actually be the lowest performer because work is not actually delivering the intrinsic need that they're seeking. 
Okay. All right. So I want to both hire purpose-oriented workers, and purpose-oriented workers are the ones that care about the relationships for them. Oh, sorry, about helping others. That that's the component that makes them purpose-oriented. Um, and so I have so many clients that are talking about creating collaborative environments, too. It strikes me without a whole bunch of purpose-oriented workers, we're going to have a hard time creating a collaborative environment and, and certainly not an inclusive environment. Let's go back for a minute, though. Um, you talked in the beginning about the way to understand the story we have told ourselves about why we go to work and that there are historically three kinds of stories we tell. One is I'm going right. to get money so that I can do something else after I quit working. Two is I like the status of working for a company or being the CEO or the runner or the whatever. And then the third one is this, I like helping people. Um, so three different components. So, you know, lots of people argue with me routinely that money is a motivator in and of itself. And are you saying a different thing here? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think what we find is, um, first of all, how you see work every day is different than what intrinsically drives you in your day-to-day responsibilities. So we've actually been able to separate those two to say, um, I fundamentally see the, the role that work is playing in my life as either a means of financial gain, as status, or as helping others. But what actually will motivate me in terms of my day-to-day role and responsibility can, um, can indeed be defined and, and separated. Um, so one of the things that we've done over the last two years is built a um, diagnostic that actually identifies your intrinsic motivators in your day-to-day responsibilities. And this assesses, you know, where you make impact, how you view progress, and how you solve problems to experience fulfillment. And just like your strengths, we find um, everyone can identify and harness their, their day-to-day drivers. Um, and that's a very powerful thing to do. Um, of course, for a purpose-oriented worker who fundamentally sees work as a means of serving others, um, harnessing those drivers is, is really kind of critical to their well-being, to their development. Um, so that's really a second piece that we think is, is, is crucial in this process is for um, us to be able to bring a vocabulary to employees in their day-to-day jobs around what actually motivates them. And you can have two purpose-oriented workers that certainly see work as a means of serving others, but in their day-to-day roles and responsibilities, they actually have different intrinsic motivators. Got it. Okay, so I think I'm now getting your story here really, really straight. So we have this notion of purpose-oriented workers who are going to define that as the ability to help others. And they have a series of things that are going to motivate and drive them within that component of enabling others. 28% of the workforce, as you see it, is purpose-oriented. And when I have more people who are purpose-oriented, I'm going to have culture carriers, I'm going to have stronger leaders, I'm going to have greater performance, I'm going to have um, supportive colleagues, I'm going to have greater retention, I'm going to have more inclusivity, and people will see work as a way, means to an fulfillment, not an end in of itself. Sounds pretty powerful to me. Okay. It's, so it's been wonderful to see, and, and it's such a journey, um, you know, now kind of peeling back more layers on this onion wanted because what we're seeing is um, we're really just at the, at the early stages of discovering the implications of all of this, all these findings. I think because for the last century, work has been um, something often sometimes so marginalizing for employees, um, and there's been such a, a, you know, a strained relationship between companies and the people that they employ we really see these insights as a, as a way of changing all of that. Um, for companies to, for the first time ever, see a real business case behind 
uplifting their people, behind hiring the people that are coming to work for more than just the paycheck and the carrot that has traditionally been the way that we've incentivized people. So we hope that this radically changes the nature of work. Okay. Do you think it's possible that if we get smarter about helping people have a sense of purpose that we'll find it's more than 20%, 28% of the population that is purpose-oriented? I sure hope so. I mean, I, I truly believe um, this isn't a means of discriminating against money and status-oriented people, but helping everyone evolve their thinking to see work as more than just the means of financial gain. Um, so, Wanda, I think you're spot on. I think that the social imperative for us is to, you know, more than double the number of purpose-oriented workers in the workforce in the next five years. Um, and, you know, for one day, we all, you know, see work as a means of serving others, and that certainly doesn't mean we don't receive a paycheck and we don't have a great job title on LinkedIn. It just means that our thinking about work has evolved to be it work really being a conduit of impact um, for ourselves and the people around us. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break now. Um, when we come back, we're going to do two things. One is I want to get an example about a company that has started leading the workforce as in a purpose-oriented way. So we get some kind of tangible examples of how did this really work. And then I want to turn to say, as an individual, how do I begin to define a purpose for myself? With me today is Arthur Woods, who is co-founder of Imperative, a professional platform for helping people find more meaningful and fulfilling careers. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. 
With me today is Arthur Woods. Arthur is co-founder of Imperative, a company that's focused on helping people find a more meaningful and fulfilling careers. We have been talking about this sense of purpose at work. And Arthur's story is that there are all of us tell ourselves a story about why we go to work in the first place, whether it's to earn money for the status of being there, the status and the power, or whether it's about helping others. It turns out that people who see work as a means for helping others are much more purpose-oriented, and about 28% of the population by Arthur's company's assessment is purpose-oriented. Those people, that 28%, sound to me like dream employees. They're much more likely to be collaborative. They're higher rates of being leadership Um, They're much more engaged. They're going to create an environment in which they're really supporting and helping other people. They're going to advocate for their needs. They're far more likely to stay. Sounds to me like a dream. So I get this sense of working towards purpose-oriented workers and helping them find work as a meaningful place. But Arthur, can you let's get practical. Give us an example about a company who's really taken this concept of creating a purpose-filled place and what have they done, how have they done it? Absolutely, Wanda. Um, so a little over, a little under two years ago, um, we were speaking at a Conscious Capitalism Summit and with a, a whole series of very socially progressive um, entrepreneurs and CEOs one of the folks in the audience was President Jim Brett of West Elm, the Williams Sonoma Furniture Company. And Jim recently stepped into this role of uh, CEO at West Elm and inherited a, a somewhat difficult culture. Um, West Elm has, has always been a, a very uh, strong place to work. You know, a, a, it has a great reputation amongst its, uh, its customers, has locations throughout the United States. And Jim stepped in to really take the organization to the next level. And one of the things that Jim embraced right away was the priority of purpose. Uh, He put it up on the wall of the office and he said, this is something I really want to be centered to every employee's experience here at West Elm. My co-founder, Aaron Hurst, was speaking at this Conscious Capitalism Summit and Jim immediately, you know, approached Aaron and said, what you guys are doing is exactly what I want to do. What can we do together? And that really sparked a long partnership, um, which still exists to this day. And what, what Jim asked was, can, can he and West Elm leverage everything that we've built? Can, can they um, take these purpose assessments that we've built, the, the purpose index that we've designed for organizations, and embrace them and, and let them be central to every employee experience? So they started by doing a purpose index, and this was a, a, basically an index that we've designed to give organizations a heat map of the state of purpose in the company. What they assessed with that was the, the percentage of purpose-oriented people they had in the workforce, but also correlating that data to their existing performance data because they wanted to know, does this even matter? Is there really even a case behind purpose-oriented workers? From there, you know, getting to our earlier conversation, Wanda, how fulfilled are our people? We know that purpose-oriented people may be here, but how well are we, are we you know, fulfilling the promise for them? So we conducted the purpose index to find that West Elm had, uh, had over 50% purpose-oriented workers in their, in their population. And when we correlated purpose-oriented workers to performance, found that the purpose-oriented workers, no doubt, outperformed their colleagues at every measure. 
And West Elm already had an existing performance scale and found that these folks were indeed um, high performers. The second thing that we looked at was to what extent um, those folks were fulfilled. And we looked at the three parts uh, of meaning that, that I shared earlier, relationships, impact, and growth. And we learned at West Elm was that growth was actually a lower scoring area for employees than their impact in their relationships. West Elm employees said that they had deep, meaningful relationships. They, they felt that their work was making a difference, but they weren't growing and learning professionally as much as they would like. So this gave Jim and the team um, something really kind of powerful that he could act on. He said, well, we now know that purpose-oriented workers are the, the people we want to hire. So let's start trying to hire more of them. So they actually changed the interview process to start assessing fundamentally why people were coming to work, um, starting, starting in early conversations. Um, they began to work with us to actually change their onboarding process to specifically address the, the low area of growth that their employees were experiencing and began to embed personal and professional development into the onboarding process starting day one. So growth would become paramount to the way that West Elm employees would develop. Um, from there, they have actually had every single employee at West Elm in the headquarters take uh, our purpose drivers diagnostic and identify their intrinsic motivators in their day-to-day work. Um, they have those insights now really as a vernacular um, it has enhanced the way that managers communicate with their colleagues because they now are mindful of what actually drives them. Um, so West Elm now, a year later, is uh, about to embark on the second version of their purpose index. We're doing a second index for them to determine uh, whether or not these changes they've made have actually been impactful. And that's exactly what um, we would like to see happen is that this becomes a new metric. Um, you know, Jim contacted us recently and had a great line. He said, you know, even if we haven't, changed in our, uh, our outcomes significantly. This is something I'm still dedicated to because I know this is really the right side of history. So that's really the, the forward-thinking leadership that I think is going to start transforming organizations. Um, you know, candidly speaking, the, the, the employees at West Elm already are reporting that they feel a greater sense of self. They feel like they're more collaboratively connected to their colleagues, and they appreciate that West Elm is not only setting out to find purpose uh, vocally, but really living it in their day-to-day, um, their day-to-day processes. Wow. So this is taking this notion, first off, they have a high number of purpose-oriented people, which I would never have guessed for a retail establishment that that's what you would find. So for whatever right. they've done, that's unusual to begin with. Um, right. And presumably that means that their employer employees are more dedicated and higher retention, which is a good thing for retail. Yeah. But that when you have a purpose-oriented worker, at least in this in West Elm, they are outperforming everybody else in every metric they have. That's incredible. It, it was remarkable. And, you know, retail is the lowest industry in terms of the percentage of purpose-oriented workers. 19% of the retail industry is purpose-oriented workers. So um, West Elm was, was up against some fairly low odds. <laughs> yet um, without performing. And I have to say, Wanda, it, it, it's translating to the retail experience. Um, we, we've done some interesting work in Seattle with their retail location there where their employees who are purpose-oriented, typically just selling furniture, are reframing the purpose of their work to actually be serving as community ambassadors to new families that are moving to the area. So, you know, you could just come to work at West Elm every day and say, look, I'm, I'm here to sell furniture, but these folks 
have completely reframed their job to be something so much more of a calling. And that's really what we see as the profound impact of this type of work is when you take someone who truly elevates their role, elevates their job to be that impact, and in the process, by the way, forming remarkable, loyal customer relationships. Oh, I bet. And in various places, I can imagine that translates to fabulous brand and brand awareness. It sounds like a dream thing. Now, just to be clear, what they did was change their hiring, so they start to look for more purpose-oriented. They changed their onboarding process so that starting from day one, they're having people think about the reason that they're coming to work and hopefully enlighten some who have bad, not necessarily the greatest stories to tell about why they're there. And then trying to live this notion of how do we fulfill people in their purpose, where we fulfill them both in terms of the depth of the relationships, the impact that they're having, and the opportunities for growth. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's exciting. I can imagine that if people hear this story very often that West Elm is going to have their number of applicants go dramatically up. <laughs> and even better than that, they're going to be able to keep them. So that's, that is, that's it sounds exactly like an right. amazing thing. Okay, no we're going to take a break again. Um, when we come back, I want to turn it to the individual. You've talked a couple of times about this purpose index. So let's turn it to an individual. What can I do as a person? When we come back from a break... Today with me is Arthur Woods, co-founder of Imperative, a company focused on helping people find meaning and fulfillment at work. And we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies, and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Arthur Woods, who's co-founder of Imperative, a company focused on helping people find meaning and purpose in their work, being more fulfilled. Fascinating story. So the concept here is that individuals, every one of us, have a story that we tell ourselves about why we go to work. And those stories are either about money, about status, or about helping others. People who tell themselves a story about the reason I go to work to help is to help others are purpose-oriented workers. The more purpose-oriented workers we have, I have just learned, the better the performance on every metric we would like to assess. So these are the folks that you'd like to hire and nurture for sure along the way, and they're likely to stay with your company. Um, And there's a number of things that you can do as a company and as a leader to encourage that. One of the things you want to do is to make sure that these purpose-oriented workers feel fulfilled feel fulfilled in three ways, the depth of the relationships, the impact that they're having, and the opportunities for growth. And we've just been talking about ways in which companies can indeed do that one. Okay, so Arthur, now I want to turn to the individual. Suppose I am not fortunate enough to work at at West Elm or with a manager that's enlightened about how to fulfill me. So what can I do as an individual to feel that I have more sense of purpose and meaning in my work? It's a great question, Juana, because really the purpose journey starts with each of us, right? So the first thing that you can do is to size up the question, why do I come to work? Um, I, now, I now know that there, there are three distinctive directions here, money, status, and purpose. Is work truly a means of financial gain only for me? Is it only a means of my identity or is it a means of serving others? Um, and my guess is if you're tuned into this conversation, um, you're likely a purpose-oriented professional. And oftentimes, uh, we've been refugees from broken systems. And we retreat to an amazing program like Out of the Comfort Zone um, to look for our tribe. So first of all, identifying that you indeed are a purpose-oriented worker and that sometimes when you've been fulfilled um, at work, it hasn't had to do with the extrinsic benefits you've been granted, but actually your sense of creative agency and impact. So that's the first piece. The second piece is to actually take stock of the level of meaning you're currently experiencing at work. And this is how we define level of fulfillment, your relationships, your impact, and your growth. Um, What we often encourage people to do is give themselves an honest rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, how deep and meaningful are your relationships? To what extent are you making an impact and making a difference in your work every day? And finally, to what extent are you growing and learning professionally every day? If you feel stuck and unfulfilled, I guarantee that one of those three things is missing. And just as West Elm did at an organizational level, you can do so at an individual level to identify where you want to focus. The process of actually transforming our existing work, um, we call job tailoring. And this is the idea of looking at all of your work as a sandbox, that you have certainly constraints, you have responsibilities that you have to fulfill, but your ability to tweak and alter aspects of your day-to-day work and the way that you frame the story of your work can change. And it can be based around where you want to focus, whether you want to build deeper relationships, create a stronger impact, or grow and learn, get out of your comfort zone, just like this program is called. 
Finally, um, something that we've been able to build as a resource online, um, I mentioned the purpose drivers, that each of us has a series of intrinsic motivators in our day-to-day work that actually inform the way that we experience purpose. Um, we actually have these on our website at imperative.com, and um, you can log in there, answer 30 questions in about five to 10 minutes, and get a personal report of your purpose drivers. We've now had over 50,000 people do this, and it's very fascinating. There are 24 different types of uh, combinations of purpose drivers. And um, for the folks in this program today, we have a code that you can actually use to download a 20-page report of these drivers if you really want uh, the extensive version. And so if you use Out of Comfort Zone um, as a discount code, you'll get 30% off in downloading that extended report. Wow. That's very kind of you. So it's imperative.com. And um, is there, we just look for the purpose index. Uh, imperative.com, and you'll log in, um, you'll create an account, and you'll be asked 30 questions right away. At the end of that, uh, you'll receive a a report of your purpose drivers. This looks at who you impact, why you work, and how you solve problems to experience purpose in your day-to-day work. Um, and you'll have a chance to actually click on the uh, career resources and actually uh, download a 20-page report if you'd like the extended version of that. Um, that, that gives you really in-depth knowledge in terms of how to communicate these drivers, how to team up with the drivers, and how to actually professionally develop leveraging your drivers. Okay. It also sounds, if I'm a leader, that that would be a fabulous thing to know about my team. Because if I understand more about your purpose drivers or intrinsic motivators, I certainly can find ways of tailoring some of the work that you do that would be more meaningful. Because I can imagine a leader, while I'm not going to change your objectives, I could help you think about alternative ways of achieving those objectives that meet your own personal drivers. Even if the company isn't isn't driving. It's a way of heightening your, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So can you give us an example of some of these intrinsic motivators? Like just tell us a story about a person, any an example sure. that you have. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of my dearest uh, new friends and mentors is a guy named Alan Spiro. Alan um, was a doctor for a few decades. And Alan, um, you know, truly believed in the medical industry, saw the, the incredible impact that could be made in medicine but as a doctor was largely unfulfilled in his job and he couldn't figure out why, because again, he believed in the industry. Um, what Alan realized was that he would go to work every day. He'd hand someone a prescription and he'd see a new person come in with the same illness, needing the same prescription. And Alan said, you know, I need to, I need to change the scale of my impact. I'm someone who wants to make a societal scale impact in the work that I do every day. And I just feel like I'm working too much at the front line solving individual incremental problems. With me today is Arthur Woods, who is co-founder of Imperative, a professional platform for helping people find more meaningful and fulfilling careers. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. 
If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. We just had a small technological challenge there in this modern day and age, so it goes. (laughs) With me today is Arthur Woods, who's co-founder of Imperative, helping companies find or helping individuals find meaning and purpose at work. Just as we were starting there, you were talking about purpose drivers and the kind of intrinsic motivators for individuals. We were talking about Alan Shapiro, who's a really dedicated to the medical industry, a physician himself, but felt unfulfilled as a doctor because he kept doing individual after individual after individual with the same prescription. And yet he won his driver is about having a larger societal impact. So what did he do? So Alan actually leveraged those insights to make a major career transition and now is the chief medical officer of a great company called Accolade, where Alan's work every day is focused on societal scale thought leadership. So this is a great example of where uh, defining that driver for Alan meant making a really aligned career decision for himself. Okay, so it's, this is why we do this purpose index, sort of to understand what is really my intrinsic motivator, um, whether it's the large impact, the societal impact, um, or some other component. And that's what's that's helpful right, here. That's right, that's um, right. You know, defining the, the purpose index is, is an amazing organizational scale tool to define, you know, what, what indeed is the state of purpose in, in our organization. And this individual diagnostic, which everyone has a chance to go in and take on our, our site in imperative.com, is a great way of articulating all of that for the individual. What actually will motivate me and drive me as an individual in my day-to-day work? 
Okay. And do you have any examples of a manager that you've worked with who says, geez, I'm not connecting with this particular employee and let me help that employee recraft their work in a way that has more purpose? Absolutely. We were working with a team of recruiters, um, actually many of whom were in different offices. They were, they were geographically dispersed. And what we, what we heard from this team was that there was a lot of transactional relation, but not a lot of deep empathy that had been created. And especially over virtual means of communication, um, the manager had reported they really didn't understand what was motivating decisions that their team members were making, and specifically what was flaring up frustration. So each member of the team took these purpose drivers, and we made it a facilitated conversation for each team member to actually share their results and, and articulate specific moments from their career, from their job to date, um, that had, had really been an articulation of each of those drivers. The team learned some really interesting things, and one of which was um, that everyone was, was fundamentally driven by different things, yet all doing the same functional work. And the first reaction was, wait, wait, this is, this is not good. We're all uh, motivated by different things. And what they realized, however, was that a, a healthy diversity of these drivers actually was a beautiful thing for the team. And I'll give one kind of key example there. Um, this, again, was a team of recruiters. And one of the things that uh, emerged was one, there was only one person who was human-centered, meaning that she solved problems by really empathizing with the people they were trying to serve, in this case, their applicants. She identified that no one was actually returning emails to the applicants that did not get the job. And because she so deeply empathized with the people they were trying to serve, she was able to identify that and really solve a core problem for the team. So the team was able to actually see that and really celebrate that, that she was so uniquely motivated by empathizing that she was almost a, it was a secret weapon for the team to have her and her driver present. So it really gave not only a chance for the team to celebrate, but also the team a real opportunity to see, okay, where can everyone best line up and best complement each other as we're out setting to do the same thing here, but we're all intrinsically motivated by different aspects of this work. Okay, so we have, I think I've gotten you straight that there are three kind of big categories of drivers. One has to do with the relationships, the other one has to do with the work, and the third one has to do with growth, learning and growth. So, yeah, the three drivers, uh, they they, they matter nicely. Um, The first has to do with who you work to impact, which certainly is relationship-oriented. Okay. Um, Who do I, who does my work serve? Am I more individual organization or societal in the impact that I want to make every day. The second driver has to do with how you fundamentally see the world working. And you see, you see work as about creating progress or do you see work as about creating equality. And we tend to find that people lean toward one of those two. So it's all about like why you work and how, how you see the world work. The third one is all about how you actually solve problems every day to experience fulfillment. So this is actually how you approach your work and your problem solving um, to be driven by purpose. And we find that there are one of four ways that you can lean there. The first is human-centered, which I mentioned. The second mm-hmm. is community-oriented, meaning you solve problems by, um, by bringing people together. The third is structure-driven, meaning you solve problems by building new systems and tools. And the fourth is knowledge-oriented, which is you solve problems by unearthing new knowledge. So for those three categories, who you impact, why you work, and how you solve problems. There's a combination of 24 different 
patterns. And that really informs um, uniquely what will motivate you and your day-to-day job on all three of those levels. Well, this sounds incredibly powerful that you can, as an individual, that I can start to understand what it really is driving me. Particularly, I'm thinking about a younger person trying to figure out where their career is going, try to really understand the drivers and say, what kind of roles am I going to be able to really genuinely do the things that fulfill me? So are there, do you find that these intrinsic drivers change over time or are we pretty much the same from beginning of life to the end? It's a great question, Wanda. So we find that these drivers, like your work orientation, um, tend to be fairly stable. So we form these quite early on in life, and they tend to not really shift over time. They can shift if you have a significant life event, and if we often we often say you know a midlife crisis can can change our perception of work. But we tend to find that the, the powerful aspect of harnessing these drivers is that they do stay fairly consistent throughout our changing career. So when I was previously at Google, I was actually driven and motivated by the same thing as I am, as I am now running Imperative. Um, what fluctuates, however, is our state of purpose, which is, you know, the depth of our relationships, our impact, and our growth. So really, we believe by harnessing why someone works, by harnessing what motivates them in that work, and then by measuring the extent to which they're fulfilled every day, which can change, you have a very powerful, um, you know, kind of snapshot of purpose for the individual. Wow. So let me just get this straight. There's really three components, this whole sense of purpose. One is, why do I go to work? And is that because of the money, the status, or the um, helping others? And then once I define people that want to help others, they're the purpose-driven workers that we kind of want to find more of. Equally, I want to understand what are my intrinsic motivators and drivers, which have to do with, you know, who do I work to impact and how do I see the world working and how do I solve problems? And then I have a fluctuation about sort of the quality of the relationships, the impact and the growth that tells me in this particular moment, how happy am I? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And as you can imagine, all three of these intertwine in a beautiful way, because ideally you have a purpose-oriented worker who is well aware of the intrinsic motivators in their day-to-day work and has the ability to take a, take a gauge of the depth of their relationship, their impact, and their growth and maximize all three of those things. And that's where we believe you have a thriving, purpose-oriented person. Okay, and this is what Wells Stelm did so cleverly. Um, back to our earlier example in that they're assessing what it is that really help driving people and how fulfilled are they and what's the state, in other words, of their purpose. And then what do we do to, in, to um, expand that for individuals? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And what I think we've realized over the years here is that um, the more simple and tangible we can make this conversation of purpose, the better. This has been very complex, very intuitive, oftentimes very cerebral. And we, you know, our design challenge um, that we're setting out to achieve every day is to make this something that everyone can access, whether you're at the front lines of a furniture store or whether you're at the mahogany desk of the CEO. Fabulous. I can imagine all sorts of ways in which this could pay off for leaders. Um, are there any, anybody who wants to go on this journey, apart from taking the purpose-driven index, which you've kindly made available, any other advice for what to do? You know, the, the best thing to do in terms of the longer term 
societal change that we want to see around work is to embrace work as being about purpose. I mean, one of the key things that we're, we're learning throughout this process is because adolescents look at their role models and start to form their story of work and the role that it will play in their lives early on, it comes down to leaders of today to set the example for what work will look like tomorrow. Um, so the first thing is, as a purpose-oriented worker, embrace that. Um, don't retreat from work being about anything more than purpose. And, um, you know, bring this into the fold of your day-to-day work and the way that you influence others. Um, of course, there's so many ways of, of you know, we, we discussed just previously as to how you can really take stock for yourself. Um, a purpose-oriented worker that is not self-reflecting and is not gauging the depth of their impact, relations, and growth um, is not doing themselves, their organization, or society a service. Um, so I think, you know, what, what's powerful about this for each of us is that it has a real case for our own well-being. It has a case for our, the performance of our organization. But there's also a very strong case for the well-being of society. We believe that a purpose-oriented worker is going to be a better member of society if they're aligned and fulfilled in their day-to-day work. Um, so as a purpose-oriented leader, you know, t- tuning into this program, um, discovering that for yourself and embracing it in your own work, of course, is a, a transformational move. Um, you know, we see so many tremendous implications on the future of the employee experience. And what I would say is embracing these metrics, um, even informally, to, if you're a manager, you manage people, to ask them in your next performance review, how deep are their relationships, to what extent are they seeing their work matter, and how much are they growing? It's a very simple, subtle way of actually bringing this into the fold, and it doesn't have to be a, a massive transformation. It could just be a subtle difference. Um, you know, of course, starting to really encourage organizations to start measuring more than just engagement. Um, we now have these, these metrics that have been embraced by companies like West Elm uh, that are, are getting at a whole new series of deep uh, insights that can start informing a new nature of work. Um, so as a leader, being able to start embracing those, I think, makes a significant difference as well. Arthur, that's fabulous. I love this notion that as we're winding year in and starting for a performance review cycle, that we have managers just ask three very simple questions of the people that they're speaking to. One is, how fulfilling are your relationships? How much impact do you think you're having and are you growing? Boy, those are three very powerful questions, even if you don't do anything else, apart from give the honest feedback and talk about the next year targets and all that kind of routine. I love it. Relationships impacting growth. Arthur, thank you for being with us today. This has been wonderful. One, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for all of the thoughtful questions. Excellent. Arthur Woods is co-founder of Imperative, a company focused on helping individuals find meaning and fulfillment in work. I think the thing that strikes me the most in this one is when I find and nurture purpose-oriented workers, people who find meaning in helping others, then I am going to have a far better performing organization in just about any metric we want to measure, from inclusivity to collaborative to sheer performance to retention to leadership. The list goes on. That's a powerful concept. And the best part is there's a way to measure it. There's a way to improve it. Thank you for joining and join us next week as well. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Take Charge This Week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.